Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning. So glad to see you this morning. I am not Pastor Jonathan. I'm Pastor Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Point Church. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, uh, I got a message from him yesterday, not feeling well with a stomach bug, and uh, said, be ready just in case. And so he sent me his notes and information. I was able to work with that and uh, come with a message this morning. But before we begin, I just want to stop, and I want to pray for Pastor Jonathan. I believe he is a huge blessing uh, to our church, and uh, right now, with him not feeling well, I just want to pray over him, and so let's just stop and pray for him. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for just a, a tremendous leader within our church, Pastor Jonathan, Lord. God, we thank you for the impact he's made in so many lives. And so today, as he's not feeling well, God, I pray they bring healing to his body. Pray that even this afternoon that he will be back to just his normal self, Lord. And so, God, we give this service to you, Lord. We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad you're here for a few reasons. For some of you today, that you are going to put your trust in Jesus and become a follower of him for maybe the first time. For others, today is going to be a day that you grow in your relationship with him and others. And others, you'll be inspired to go and share the good news from here. Now, if you've missed any of the messages the last couple weeks, I encourage you to go back to crosspointwaverly.com, YouTube, or Facebook, or listen on Spotify and get caught up with what's been happening through our messages here at Crosspoint. And so this morning, we're going to start in a new series called Counterfeit counterfeit. We're going to be looking and diving into Philippians chapter 4. And so if you haven't brought your Bible, if you want to open up to Philippians chapter 4, we'll begin there here shortly. We're going to see what Paul has to say about joy. What Paul has to say about joy. The real source of joy in life is through Jesus, nothing else. When we tap into the source, it will lead to right praying, right thinking, right living, which enhances and sustains the joy found in Christ. Now, the enemy makes the counterfeit look really good. He makes it look really good. A counterfeit is something that is intentionally created to look authentic. Its purpose is to deceive. So when Lindsay and me were dating back in the day, it was, I was in Brookfield, Wisconsin, where she grew up, and I was doing an internship there. And so during this time, I loved New York peppermint patties. Who in this room loves New York peppermint patties, mint and chocolate? Okay, I know there's people, huge fans, and then other people are like, I don't know how you like those both together. I love New York, New York pepper, peppermint patties. And so during this time, though, we found this different brand, and we bought them, and they were said to be the healthier option of the two. And so I ate one. It was pretty good. I will say it was not the same as a New York peppermint patty, but they were good. So I kept eating them. And then all of a sudden, before I knew it, I ate the entire bag, and it was gone. And I was like, oh boy. I was like, hey, it's the healthier version. I'll be fine. So I went about my day thinking nothing else of it. But then later that night, we were going ready to meet with another couple for a double date. 
These were Lindsay's friends from high school. I knew them, but not well. We had only met a couple of times. This guy made a really nice meal. We ate it, and then we went outside to play some cornhole. And as we're playing cornhole, all of a sudden, I'm getting ready, and I throw. And as I'm throwing it, I'm going, this isn't right. And my stomach is not right in this moment. I'm hearing it churning, and I look at him, and I go, dude, where is your bathroom? And I go straight to his bathroom, and I am not feeling well. But I don't want to disappear, so I just continue to go on with this double date. And we go mini-golfing from there, which is not really good when your stomach's not feeling well. And seriously, I think I ended up in the restroom probably at least five times. It was absolutely embarrassing. It was absolutely embarrassing that this happened. And so here's the thing. Those weren't New York peppermint patties. It even seemed like it was maybe the better option. That's the thing with counterfeit. It wants you to make you believe that it is the same when reality isn't. It can have damaging effects in our spiritual life if we aren't careful. Counterfeit can have consequences. In terms of Christian life, oftentimes we will willingly or unwillingly fall for a counterfeit. Sometimes we're well aware of what we're doing and we just go into it. Other times, we are blind to it. We don't even know that we're getting counterfeit with our walk with God, That's the choices that we make. The counterfeit is something that we think will satisfy our deepest desires, but it can't because only God can do that. So like, for instance, it's like a carrot that is dangling in front of you. If you could just get this job, then, then I can experience real joy. If maybe... I get that promotion, then I'll find that joy that I've been looking for. Maybe if I get that degree, then I'll find that joy. Maybe it's that relationship that I need, I'll find that joy. Maybe it's just if I could get that amount of money, that will bring me the joy and comfort that I need. The list goes on. Then you would have, you think that you would have true joy. Those things, as good as they may look, don't lead to lasting joy. They are all counterfeits. They are not real joy. So for those of you that settled on trying to find ultimate joy in things or people, on the outside maybe you look like you have it all together, but on the inside you are miserable. You're not happy. It's joy that's just not that you were hoping for. Ultimately things break or you want new things or relationships end or someone does something that hurts you. You're not going to find joy in those things. And Philippians chapter 4 writes about true joy. The joy that Paul writes about is not a conditional joy. His joy isn't based off of his position or his condition. It is authentic joy, not counterfeit joy that he is experiencing. In fact, as we looked at this letter There's going to be some stuff in it that you're going to be like, how in the world could he write these words? You're going to hear of this situation, and you're going to wonder, how could he use joy and the word rejoice in this short chapter of of four in this letter so often? Now, he is writing this letter from jail, and he's talking about joy. So let's go to Philippians chapter four, one through nine. This is what it says. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, long for, 
My joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Exhortation, encouragement, and prayer. I entreat Udi and I entreat Seneki to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word that you have given us. God, I pray that we just lean into you in this moment. God, may you speak to us. May our hearts be open for what you have for us. God, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, he is in prison when he is writing this letter. And he has his own stuff to deal with. In all of this stuff, he hears about this very public falling out of these two women ministers who are at odds. So he's in prison dealing with these things. Now, can you imagine if someone were to write something about your life that people would read thousands of years later and records at a point in time when you were being selfish? and prideful and fighting with someone in the church? I know that I wouldn't want that, what people remember of me. How embarrassing would that be? But Paul, though in prison, believed that this needed to be addressed. He knew the importance of the unity of the church. He knew the importance of it. The only thing we know about them is that Paul valued them enough to write a letter for them to get over it. These ladies had tremendous influence and their infighting was impacting the church negatively. He said, I entreat you, Odii, I entreat you, Sinki, to agree in the Lord. It says to agree in the Lord. He enlists the help in verse three of his true companions to help these ladies. He writes in verse three that these women have mistreated alongside him in the gospel with others. He writes whose names are written in the, lamb, are in the book of life. So in the book of life. What is he saying? He's saying that these are good Christian people on their way to heaven. They're good Christian people going their way to heaven. But for the sake of all those around them and for the kingdom of God are going to need to find it in their hearts to get past whatever caused this division and to get back to being united front to advance the gospel. For the church to experience true joy, we have to live in peace with one another. Paul isn't letting the infighting, though, steal his joy. But he knows it's impossible for them to walk in true joy when they're at odds with each other. He knows that it's not going to go well. 
It's going to be hard for you to experience the true joy of the Lord when you are at odds with fellow image bearers in this room. We need to get past our offenses and deal with them. It will only damage your relationship with the Lord, and it also could affect the kingdom of God moving forward. It could affect the kingdom of God moving forward and other relationships with our Heavenly Father. I never want to be the reason for the kingdom of God not moving forward. I never want to be the reason. So in the words of Paul, agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Life is too short. The mission is too critical. It's way too critical. In the letter to the Philippians, in the commentary, Hansen wrote this. The reconciliation of two estranged friends leads to joyful celebration. And joyful praise to the Lord leads friends to set aside grievances in order to worship the Lord in unity. In contrast to a bitter, belligerent spirit that drives people apart, a sweet, exuberant spirit brings people together. So Paul is writing about joy while in prison. And while having to deal with conflict in the church, he's dealing with a lot personally, then he's still dealing with issues with inside the church. So imagine, for instance, in life for you, you got your own things going on, and then all of a sudden at work, there's these people dealing with it, and you're not even there, and you're, it's driving you crazy. But in this moment, Paul still has joy. He still has joy. Directly after addressing the church conflict, though, this is what he writes. After addressing the conflict, this is what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. He said what? Rejoice in the Lord always. When in prison, when there's conflict in the church, he follows it up again with saying, I will rejoice. Rejoicing is not about our earthly circumstances. It is about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with our Heavenly Father. In case there were some of you in this room who read this and be like, rejoice the Lord always and thinking that rejoicing in a time of persecution is inappropriate. Remember, Paul writes, again, I say rejoice. In times of suffering, the only way to survive is to rejoice. In times of suffering, the only way to survive is rejoice. So how are you responding in these moments like this? Are you able to rejoice? It's not easy. It's realigning our hearts and stopping and saying, being reminded of what God did for us. In verse 5, he continues to write, he says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Message Bible translates it like this. It says, make it clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, that you're on their side working with them, not against them. Help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. In the face of hostility and persecution, Paul knows that the church could develop a strong desire for revenge. In the face of this, he writes, reasonableness. 
In the NIV, it says, let your gentleness. He encourages, rather than seeking to return fire with fire, to return with goodness and graciousness. When at odds, he's saying, don't return fire with fire. Choose to be gracious in those moments, to show goodness in those moments. So let's think about who Paul is. For Paul, every outsider is always a potential insider. Just based on his own experience, he knows that no one is too far outside the reach of God's grace. He's living proof of it. So his joy is holding that hope that others will also be the living proof of God's incredible saving grace. So Paul, if we were reminded, Paul was once an outsider. He was the one persecuting and killing Christians. But God saved him. Paul knows that as dire as the situation may look, as hard of hearts as those who are dishing out hostility and persecution to his friends could potentially become a follower of Jesus just like him. He tells them that the Lord is at hand, that he is near, that the master is to show up. He could show up at any minute. Now here's the thing, when we truly believe that there's a real heaven and a hell, it changes how we view outsiders. When we truly believe in a real heaven and hell, it changes how we view outsiders. It changes how we view those who are hostile to the church and persecute the church. The flesh wants us to respond with anger. It wants us to respond in a way that we say that they're a lost cause. With hate. That's what our flesh wants to do sometimes. But here's the thing is we need to lean into the spirit and be reminded of how what God wants us to respond. But the spirit drives us to reasonableness, to gentleness, to be known to all that they might experience the grace of God, that all may be able to experience the grace of God. Jesus' desire is that none should perish, but all would come to have an everlasting life. All. That includes everybody who has heard us. He came for all. The ones that are persecuting the church, he came for them as well. Paul continues. He says, since the Lord is near, he writes, don't be anxious about anything. So in verse 6, this is what it says. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. How can we live like this? It takes intentionality. I wish I could stand up here and say that I'm perfect at this and tell you that I get it right all the time, but I don't. How can we live in a continual joy spite in our circumstances? How can we choose joy in challenging circumstances? How can we be people who aren't anxious about anything? I believe one of the major ways as we look at Scripture, the only way is by prayer. It's by going to prayer. Right prayer is talking to God and taking it all to him. Not just some of it, taking it all to God. In taking everything to him, we recognize his compassion towards us even in the small things. And how mighty he is in taking, him, taking it to him with the big things. In all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Sometimes I think that 
we can do a really, we, we, we almost think that we're doing a really good job with this. I know I face this. When in reality, are we? Are we stopping and truly giving our anxious thoughts to God? Are we going along our way and God just take my anxious thoughts, please, and we just keep moving? Or do we stop and get aligned with our Heavenly Father and say, God, I give you my anxious moment right now. God, I give you this tension that I'm feeling right now within work. Whatever is allowing you to go down that part of being anxious or worrying, are you truly stopping and giving that to God? It's hard to do, but we need to stop and proclaim it. One thing I believe more and more as I've gotten older, the importance of praying out loud. The importance of praying out loud. And the reason is, is because it becomes more real when we verbalize it. We're doing something with it. There's action taking place. It's no longer just here. Now it's out. It's taking action. We have to move to do something. We need to proclaim it. So he writes, don't be anxious about anything. There's no exception given here. So a lot of times I think it's, Lord, I won't be anxious about anything except for money. Or maybe, Lord, I I won't be anxious about anything except for my kids. You name it. He doesn't give an exception for any of these things. This can be hard. I know for some of you in this room, it's harder than others. My grandma was a very anxious person. Her whole life, she dealt with this. She loved Jesus, and I know that she is in heaven. But one thing is I I took her Bible after she passed, and I was reading and going through it. I started to notice that she kept giving it to Jesus. We have to keep giving it to Jesus. I can't imagine how anxious she would have been if she didn't give it to him. We must give it to him. It doesn't mean that it'll always just go away. But let's realign our hearts with God. Let's realign our hearts with God. I'm telling you, though, it must be in the genes. Because I'll be honest, I deal with being anxious at times. It's gotten better over the years, and other times it's gotten worse. But one thing I've learned over the years, the importance, though, is what this says about praying and truly giving it to God. The stop and actually praying, God, I give you this, to make sure that I'm in line with him instead of saying, yeah, I kind of gave it to God. No, no, did I really give it to him? I can't imagine how much more I would struggle if I didn't give more of my anxious and worry thoughts to him. This word anxious, though, means to be pulled in different directions. So, for instance, our hope pulls us in one direction, and our fears pull us in another, in a completely opposite direction. And the thing is, it can pull us apart. Worrying is wrong thinking. In everything, including their suffering, they are to make their requests known to God with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Only by praying with thanksgiving in every situation is it possible to stop being anxious about anything. And, is the, and that is when the new habit of thanksgiving to God supersedes the habit of worry that we can experience true joy. Sometimes we can look at this passage and think that thanksgiving is proactively giving God thanks for answering a prayer that we are praying. 
Instead, it's an overall posture of gratitude to God. It's an overall posture of added, or, or gratitude to God. Someone once said, if God never does anything else for me, I have already received more than I deserve. Let me say that again. Let that sink in. God never, he's, this is what they say, God never does anything else. If he does nothing else for me, I already have more than I deserve. This week I was with a friend and I was visiting with him and he had some extreme pain going on when I was visiting him. You could just see it in his face. He was waiting for medication to come and he's just in pain. This is what he said. He stops and he prays just all on his own. He says, any pain that I have is never greater than the love that I receive from my heavenly father. Any pain that I have is never greater than the love that I receive from my Heavenly Father. I want that heart of posture when experiencing pain. When I was in that room, I was just like, what a heart. I'm like, that's what I want. I want more of that in my life. When I get to the point of being in pain, when I'm facing difficult circumstances, to be reminded of what my heavenly father did, where I can go and I can rejoice and say, God, I give you praise, even in the midst of this circumstance. Your relationship with me is so much more important than this problem that I'm facing. We have to posture our hearts when we face challenges. And truly be reminded of what God did for us. Paul continues with verse 7. He says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We talked about peace a number of weeks ago. Meaning more than just not being in conflict with one another. We really get the idea of flourishing with the word peace. God is never in a season of lack. It is out of his absolute abundance that he gives it to us. Our source of joy, peace, is limitless. God is never tapping out of that. His resource bank never runs dry. So when we have confidence that if we cast our cares upon him, that he cares for us, that he will meet our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So we have this ability to approach the throne of grace with confidence. And make our cares known to God through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Because this isn't, here's the thing, because it isn't the natural way of thinking, but it's the right way of thinking. We're able to have joy and peace that others could only dream of. Paul says, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your heart and mind. I think more and more than ever, we need the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds day and night. We are bombarded from all sides with ideologies that are contrary to the word of God. Constantly, you can find it. How do we have joy when we live in a world that calls right wrong and wrong right? How do we have peace when evil is called good and good evil? Well, here's the thing. We all need to guard our hearts and minds. We are mindful of what we prioritize. We are mindful of the entertainment that we consume. We are discerning in who we allow to speak into our lives. The voices we allow in our lives influence us. 
I think this is so key that we need to stop and truly ask ourselves, what are we allowing into our minds? What are we listening to? Is this glorifying God? Is this going to help enhance my relationship with him? There are so many things that we can listen to in this world. We need to be cautious of it. It's, there are so many counterfeits out there right now. And we need to be aware of what's true. And what is true is by going to the word of God. Don't believe everything you hear. Go to the word of God and check. Always go to that. All of, it's measured, all of this has been scrutinized by the word of God. But here's the thing. We have to go to the word. And so he continues. You want to have joy? You want to have peace? He writes that you have to take control of your thoughts. You have to have the right thinking. So as in verse 8, as we continue, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, Dr. Walter Covert reported a survey, this is what it says, the survey that indicated that only 8%, only 8% of the things people worry about is legitimate matters of concern, 8%. The other 92% were either imaginary or never happen, or involve matters over which the people had no control anyway. When I hear that stat, what it tells me is the devil is a liar. All those things that we worry about, we allow to captivate our minds. Instead, we should be going to him. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, we are... In these moments, we are to think on things that are worthy of respect and right and not let our thoughts be consumed by things that are dishonorable. It says, whatever is pure. Paul writes to think on the things that are morally pure, to refrain from impure sexual thoughts. Stay pure. What is lovely? Think of on the things that are beautiful. Think about what our Heavenly Father has given us, what he's created, this world that we live in and the beauty that we have within it. Whatever is commendable, think on the things that are worth talking about. What's worth talking about? If there is excellence, when we think on excellence, it motivates us to do better. When we think of excellence, it motivates us to do better. The verse continues here, and it says, if there is anything worthy of praise, when we think on these things worthy of praise, we will share it with others. Think about these things we just talked about. Whatever you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. Put them into practice. Allow them to be a part of your life, not just something that you read. Allow it to be a part of who you are. When we think on the right things, then it leads us to do things, it leads us to do the right things. When we think on the right things, it leads us to do the right things. And the God of peace will be with you. It's a powerful scripture there. After all of this, Paul probably writes one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, starting in verse 10. Follow along with me here. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. 
Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Being reminded, I can do all these things. Because sometimes we can hear these lists and going, I can't do this. With Christ, we can. But we have to put it into action. We have to live these things out. We can't just read it. We have to be proactive with it. If we are to conquer worry and experience the secure mind, we must meet the condition that God has laid down. If we want to experience true joy, And all these things, as we went through these scriptures, three things were looked at. And here they are. The first one is right praying. That we pray and we actively go to him. That we communicate with him. Not just in passing, but be in line with our Heavenly Father and have a real conversation with him. Right thinking is the next one. To control our mind and our thoughts when those anxious and worry moments come, to truly give it to him. And when we do those things, it's gonna help with the last, right living. Right living. We can still do all those things, but we still have to make the choice of how we respond to life and how we do it. And we need to be aware of it. We need to constantly go to our Heavenly Father and ask him for help. We need to be aware of what we're allowing in our minds and what we're thinking. We need to be guarding the things that are in our household, the things that our children hear and what we hear so that we can be living according to what our Heavenly Father wants for us, so we can have abundance of joy, that we can have abundance of peace. If everybody could bow your heads and close your eyes. We all need Jesus. Everyone in this room, including me, we need him. I have a question. Do you have counterfeit joy? If you don't have Jesus as Lord of your life, you have counterfeit joy. If we want to experience real joy, we can only find that through Jesus. If we want to experience real peace, we can only experience that through Jesus. We all need Jesus. The question I have for you, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord of your life and for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you repented those sins to him? Jesus came so that we can be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you want to ask Jesus to become Lord of your life and the forgiveness of your sins, or if you want to rededicate your life to him, and this is what you want in this moment, if that's you right now, Just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I see that hand. Praise God. Praise God. If you need to rededicate your life to him, raise your hand just saying, that's me. Either one, praise your Lord. Please stand. If you raise your hand, we're going to say a prayer together. Here's the thing, 
All you have to do is repeat these words after me and just mean it with everything within your heart. God loves you. He sees you. He sees the moments that you've been having, the struggles that you've had. But know in this moment as we say this prayer, they're not going to pray it alone, but we're going to pray it alongside you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come give me a fresh start. Be my king. Be my savior. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. Help me from this day forward to live for you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise. If you made that decision today to rededicate your life or you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior and the forgiveness of your sins for the first time, we want to read, we would love to connect with you. And so if you could text 319-250-8998 and just text the word yes. And, get, and again, it's 319-250-8998. Otherwise, in the QR code in front of you in the seat pocket, you can scan that and look for the I have decided and fill out the form there. We just love to reach out to you. Just encourage you along the way. Don't walk it alone. Do it with other brothers and sisters. We need each other. And so I've, at the end of every service, we have the opportunity where we play one last song and we're, we're gonna have people on both sides of the stage for if you need prayer for anything. And so I encourage you, if you've been facing moments of worry and moments of being anxious, have someone pray with you. If you've been having a hard time having real joy, maybe as during this message you realize that maybe your joy is counterfeit, that you've been seeking the wrong things of this world. You've been seeking after earthly things and not our Heavenly Father. And so I encourage you wherever you're at, with whatever's going in your life, if you need that, I just encourage you to come up for prayer. Otherwise, as we prayed during this last song of worship, I just encourage all of us to stop and reflect in our walk with God and ask ourselves, do I have counterfeit joy in my life? Because here's the thing with counterfeit is that it looks real. And so we could all be blind and not see the truth in our life if we don't stop and truly reflect. And I think the best way to do that is when we go to our Heavenly Father. And we stop and we realign with him and saying, God, do I have true joy within you? God, help me in the moments of pain, in the moments of disappointment, to truly go to him and rejoice. It's not easy to do. Let me pray, then we're gonna have some time worship courage to come up and pray if you need it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for today. God, I'm so thankful for the love that you have for us, that you want us to experience this type of joy. God, that you want us to experience this type of peace. 
There's so much more for us, God, but help us to align our hearts to you, to do the things that you've asked us to do, to put them into practice. God, I pray for the people in this room that have been captivated by worry and anxious thoughts, Lord. God, I know it's to be so challenging, but God, I pray that they know that you, that they, you see them. God, to not walk it alone, to stop and truly give it to you. God, we're thankful that we can come to you. God, we give you this time, Lord. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer or anything, please come forward. Let's worship. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.